Well, again, welcome to Calvary Church. I'm Phil Stringer. I'm the worship and creative arts pastor filling in for the big guy, David Crabtree, today. Honored to be here. Our team uh, posted yesterday on social media that I would be speaking today. And so for all of you here, uh, we're just grateful that you haven't logged on to Facebook or Instagram in the last two days. Uh, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Um, we're in the middle of a series called Seasons that Pastor David launched last week. And he asked that I continue that on this week as well. So we're going to be talking about seasons and continuing that now, if this space is new to you, or uh, if church in general is new to you, then here's what to expect. I'm going to take the next half hour or so, and I'm going to talk about the different seasons in life that we all go through and how God is involved in those seasons. Now, you may even be here and you would say, you know what, Phil, honestly, uh, I'm not sure what I think about God. I'm not sure where I stand in that or what I believe, and that's totally okay. You're welcome here. And you and I have way more in common than you think because we're both just people living life, trying to figure out what the meaning of life is. What's the meaning of this whole thing? Why am I on earth? Is there something more to life than just the nine to five or my bank account or uh, a status or a career? And we would like to suggest that yes, there is, that that there is something more, that there's something deeper, something bigger. And so at the very least today, we feel like uh, you will leave this place encouraged. And uh, for us, all of our answers in life point to Jesus. Uh, Everything points to Jesus. I believe that he is real. I believe that he is God. I believe that he has saved me and forgiven me uh, of my sins. And I am truly in love with him, and he makes my life worth living today. So I hope that that shows. Today we're going to look at a story in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, it's the very first book in the Bible. So if you have a Bible with you, then turn all the way to the left. Um, If you're on your phone, on your Bible, uh, then you can just keep swiping right. Okay, swipe right for Jesus and find Genesis. Four people got it. Thank you. So Moses is the author of the book of Genesis. You remember him. He's the guy with the staff that parted the Red Sea uh, so that the Israelites could cross over and flee from their slavery in Egypt. So we're going to look at chapters 37 through chapter 50. So we're going to be looking at 14 chapters in the book of Genesis. I'm going to read it all to you. We'll have it up on the screen so you can see it. We're hoping to get done by about halftime of the Dallas Cowboys game. So if you'll sit tight, buckle up, it's going to be a fun ride. I'm, I'm kidding, clearly. But it's all one story. So these 14 chapters, it's all one big story. It's the story of Joseph, okay? And so we look at this and we say, man, Moses took 30%, almost 30% of Genesis to talk about this one guy, right, and this story. And so I believe that it's because there's a lot of significance that you and I can take from this guy's story, from the seasons that he walked through, how he responded to those seasons, and what God did through him and through his seasons. Now, there's a lot that goes on in the book of Genesis, okay? So there's a lot of stuff that's packed in. You've got, of course, the creation of the world. You've got the creation of man. Uh, You have the fall of man. And then in God trying to fix things, he makes a covenant with Abraham, right? We're just going to call him Abe for short, all right? So he makes a covenant with Abe, and he tells Abe that he will be the father of many, which is seemingly absurd because at this point, Abe was 75 years old, right? And they could not have kids. So Abe miraculously has a child, right? Just like like God said. And his name is Isaac. And Isaac has a son, and his name is Jacob. And Jacob has a son, and Jacob's son is named Joseph. And so we're going to be looking at Joseph today, and he is the great-grandson of Abe. We'll just call Joseph Joe for short, okay? So we're looking at Joe. He is the great-grandson of Abe. Everybody tracking? All right, good deal, good deal. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start off uh, with a story from this morning. 
uh, how many of you guys have ever experienced a legitimate nightmare that you've had, like you actually ended up experiencing it after you've had that nightmare? I experienced one of my nightmares this morning. Does anybody want to call out maybe a nightmare or a fear that you have? Anybody willing? There's too many? Just pick one. It's okay. Did somebody say drowning? Okay. I hope that, I hope that doesn't happen in real life. That's scary. Anybody else? First service was zombies. So <laughs> that, was, that was good. One of my fears, and I, I've had this a couple times where I've had a nightmare uh, where I, I come on Sunday morning and I'm preaching, and uh, my notes are gone. <laughs> so this morning was awesome <laughs> in that I found that everything except for half of my introduction was gone. Now, I have spent, I don't know, maybe 80 hours writing for today. Um, I normally go over it. I'll edit. I'm, I'm a perfectionist, right? So uh, I think the first moment I realized that, I started to cry. <laughs> I was just like, what happened? So I pay for a, a service that's a cloud service where I write all of my sermons on. And so it auto-saves every five seconds because I've had this fear of, you know, something getting deleted on accident. So I'll pay for this cloud service. Uh, it's specifically for sermons where you can write all your sermons and, and group them together. And so I go and I, I log on. I was going to send my notes to my phone because I was done. I finally said, okay, finished. And when I click to send it, it only sends just a little tiny bit of the entire thing. I cannot figure out how to get it back. I've tried everything at this point. I contacted customer service. They're closed, of course, and so couldn't get anything. And so here I am, I'm like shaking, <laughs> crying, like what on earth is happening? And so I say that to say, I truly honestly believe that God has something specific that he wants to say to you today. Because I don't have my notes, and clearly I didn't write what he wanted me to write, God, I just, I wish he would have told me that a couple days ago. I could have watched the Tar Heels basketball game over the weekend, but I was writing something that didn't matter. So today we're going to have a little bit of a conversation. Um, I remember generally what I was going to talk about, and we're going to talk about seasons, but today I feel like God wants to say something specifically to you. And uh, in first service, it was incredible. Uh, I would say 15 people or more um, received Christ back into their life and committed to a life uh, with him as their savior. That is awesome. That's amazing. And only he can do that. And so maybe sometimes he just needs to throw my notes away and he just needs to talk. So, yeah. So I'm going to give you the spark note version of these 14 chapters because we're not going to read all of them, obviously. Um, there is a summary in Acts chapter 7 uh, when Stephen is talking um, to the Sanhedrin. He says this, And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. So that's kind of the spark note version, right? Now, those two verses span 40 years. So I don't think it's fair to just go with that. I'd like to do a little bit of a re recap over a couple minutes and give you kind of the broad story. If you don't know the story, then you'll know the story. If you're familiar with it, it'll just kind of be a brush up so that it'll get us ready to, uh, to listen. So here we go. There's a guy named Joe, all right? He's the favorite of all the kids, all right? He's his father's favorite. Because of that, uh, his father gives him some designer clothes, right? Uh, a, a colored coat that's beautiful. And he's a teenager at this point, so he's 17 years old. And his dad gives him this really nice coat. He's got these designer clothes, you know. Now, all of his 11 other brothers are even more jealous now, as if they weren't before because he was the favorite, because now Joe has these designer clothes and their dad only buys them Old Navy, right? <laughs> So they're stuck in Old I'm sorry, if somebody's wearing Old Navy, I'm sorry. My wife was wearing Old Navy this morning, so I apologize. But, so Joe has a couple of dreams. 
He's got a couple of dreams, and he gets really excited about it. And so he tells these dreams to his brothers. Problem is, is that (laughs) Joe's dreams was that he ascends to power, and his brothers bow down to him. That's not going to go well when you're wearing the designer jacket, dude. All right? So now they become really angry at Joe, and they've had it. They hate him now. They beat him up, and they throw him into a pit and leave him to die. Now, right after that, they see an Egyptian slave trader that comes by, and they say, okay, well, hold on. Why don't we sell him to make money instead of, you know, just letting him die? So they felt like that was a good thing to do. They did that. And they sold him for 20 shekels of silver. That's not very much, okay? It's, it's pretty bad for a brother. I don't, I don't know if that's the going rate for a brother. Um, maybe a pet chihuahua, but not a brother or sister. So now Joe is, he's taken to Egypt. He's never been there before. You know, he was his father's favorite. He, he had the, the nice clothes. And now all of a sudden, on a dime, immediately his situation changes. And now he's a slave, Immediately, he goes from the top to the bottom, and he begins to work for this guy named Potiphar. We'll just call him Potty for short, okay? So Joe starts working for Potty, and historians say maybe eight to ten years, okay? So he's working for this guy for maybe eight to ten years, and he rises in the ranks as a slave because Potty's impressed with him. He says, hey, this Joe guy is a smart guy. So now he becomes in charge of Potty's whole estate and starts getting more respect from people, so much so that Potty's wife, we'll just call her desperate for short, okay, Um, she decides, hey, I want a cup of Joe to go if you know my MO, right? I want a cup of Joe, she says. And so she goes to Joe and she says, hey, Joe, you and me, let's go Joe with the mojo, if if you know what I mean, right? So Joe, Joe says, no, no, no. Okay, I, I don't know how long I'm going to go with this, but no, I'm done. I'm done. Joe says, no, 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 I'm a man of God. So absolutely not. And she goes to grab his clothes, and Joe runs out of the house, leaving his garments with her. And so she falsely accuses him, right? Potty comes home. He's mad because all of a sudden, you know, this guy that I trusted, that I put in power, you know, has done this horrible thing to my wife. And so Joe obviously gets thrown in prison for something that he did not do. And while he's in prison, two guys show up and they say, yo, Joe, (laughs) we had a dream. And instead of Joe saying, you know what, I had a dream too and look where I am, so no thanks, he decides to be helpful and said, you know what, I will will try and, and interpret this dream for you. What happened? And so he interprets the dream One of the guys is going to die. The other guy is going to get out of prison in the interpretation. And so the other guy gets out of prison and he says, hey, you know, can you do me a favor? Will you just remember me when you get out and tell them, hey, there's an innocent guy down there. He helped me. I was falsely accused. He said, yeah, absolutely. I got you, Joe. We're good. And so he gets out of prison. And what does this guy do? He completely forgets Joe. Completely forgets. So two years go by, two years, and Pharaoh has a dream now, and he can't interpret it. So now this guy says, oh yeah, my friend Joe, he can do that. So he goes down, they clean him up, they present him before Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream. So Pharaoh is like, okay, well, what am I going to do now with this famine? What am I going to do with this whole scenario? And Joe says, I have an idea. Here's how we can stockpile. This is what we can do to make sure that we're safe. Pharaoh likes him so much. Basically, he just taps him on the shoulder and he says, you're second in command of all of Egypt now. So all of a sudden, just as quickly as he went from top to bottom, now he's gone from prison to literally second in command of of all of Egypt. It's amazing. So he spends the rest of his life living the dream. He gets married. Uh, He has kids. Um, you know, he saves Egypt from a drought. He ends up saving his brothers who tried to kill him. And so this dream of his brothers bowing down to him, it all becomes fulfilled now. And it, that's the story of Joe. So you talk about seasons, you talk about ups and downs. 
There's a lot of that in this story. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of seasons. Joseph has it all. And Pastor David said it last week. He said, everything changes. Nothing remains the same. Life is a constant change of seasons. And if you don't understand seasons, you will live your life in constant frustration, disappointment, anger, because seasons are necessary. Seasons are necessary. And even more, they're inevitable. It's happening. Seasons will happen no matter how much we love or hate a specific season in life. It's always going to happen. Ecclesiastes Chapter 3, verse 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Life happens in seasons. It happens in seasons. It's not just one continuous story of the same season. And so there's a couple things that we need to understand about seasons since we go through so many different seasons in our life. First off, we can't argue with a season. You cannot have an argument with a season. It doesn't need your permission to happen. It doesn't care about your opinion. And it's not looking for your input at all. Okay? If you try and fight against or argue against a season, you will get tired and weary. You'll get frustrated. You'll get angry. So seasons come and go without any input from you because it doesn't care, right? It's gotten cold outside pretty quickly in the last couple weeks, right? It, it, was, uh, it, was, it was nice for a while, and then all of a sudden it kind of just, it just hit. And I got to tell you, there's no argument that I can make, there's no argument that you can make for us to get summer back right now. You know, I love the summer, so I wish that that were the case, but we can't. Seasons come and seasons go, and it doesn't matter what we say. Now, here's the other thing about seasons. Seasons are always temporary. Seasons are always temporary. And that may be good news for you. So, you know, if you're a summer lover, you're glad that winter is temporary because then summer's coming again. Or it may be bad news for you if you're one of those weird people who play Christmas music all the time and you just want it to stay, then that may be bad news for you. It's always temporary. But seasons of life, they're always more difficult to navigate than the seasons of weather, because we don't know how long the season of life is going to take. It's not a 90-day thing. It could be a year, multiple years. We just don't know. We don't know. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. And that's great. I'm glad that God knows my plans. I'm glad that God knows how long this season is going to last, but (laughs) I don't know it. And that's the struggle that that you and I face when we face seasons of hardship, seasons of fear, seasons of rock bottom, seasons of a diagnosis. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long it's going to take. So in this story, then, Joseph, Joseph sees multiple seasons. And there are five specific seasons that I want to quickly touch today to show you how they relate to us. Because I believe that each and every one of you are in a specific season right now. You may be going out of a season and entering a new one, or you may have been in one for a long time. But I think looking at these five, these five seasons quickly, can show us something. So the first season that I have here is the dream. The season of the dream. So Joseph had a dream from God originally when he was 17 he had a, a dream that he would rise to power and that his, his brothers would even bow down to him. Now, here's what I would say about having a dream. you got to know your audience when you're telling it, okay? Like, sometimes, and this is, this is just me, but sometimes there are certain dreams or passions or things that God has placed on your heart that it's not ready to promote yet, Okay? And you have to know that timing and that place of of when this dream is supposed to be promoted or when it's supposed to be in prayer. And so I don't know what Joseph's story was. I don't know, you know, what he was dealing with or whatever. I'm just saying, if it's a dream where people are bowing down to you and they already hate you, know your audience before you tell them the dream. Okay? All right. 
So the dream, it's, it's really something that connects with all of us because it really identifies the start or the beginning. It's, it's a dream that God has placed on your heart. Maybe it's a dream that, that you know right now you say, I know exactly what it is. Maybe it's multiple dreams. Maybe it's a dream that God put on your heart when you were young. And maybe it's a dream that's been fulfilled and you've seen it through. But there are people here today that have a dream that God put on your heart and maybe you didn't take the right steps necessary to fulfill that dream. And maybe now you look back and you have a little bit of regret because you think of what could be, what should have been, and you think, man, I missed my time. I missed that moment of what God wanted to do in me and through me. You see, God puts passions on your heart, and he puts specific ones on your heart for a reason. And sometimes we can even think, well, this is a silly passion. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. But you can use so many things for the kingdom of God. Even if they seem silly, God has put specific things on your heart for a specific reason. And it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Now, there's a temptation to stay in this space. There's a temptation to stay in the season of the dream. Because in the season of the dream, we can dream about it, we can think about it, we can say, oh, that's nice, but we don't ever take the step of faith necessary to make that dream become a reality. And so it's a comfortable place. And we're tempted to stay there because it's not really scary. You can dream up whatever you want to dream. God can put something on your heart. And if you don't take action, that's not very scary. And so there's a temptation to stay because it's comfortable. But the season of the dream was meant for you to move out of it. The season of the dream is very temporary because that dream eventually will become a a reality. And that dream is something that you need to take a step of faith to promote. And so it really needs to be a place of moving out, a temporary place. Now, I had a dream um, when I was 13 years old, and I was called to the ministry when I was 13. I remember the time, the place, exactly where I was, what happened. And I've told this story before, so some of you have heard it, some of you um, haven't. But uh, there was a time where the person that I looked up to the most in my life, um, the person who I respected most, my mentor, told me specifically, um, you are not good enough to be a pastor. You will never be good enough to be a pastor. You should not be a pastor. And this is coming from a pastor. And so for me, that crushed me because that was the one person that I looked up to. That was my mentor. That was the person I trusted more than anybody at that point in my life. And so I left that dream. I turned my back on that dream for a while. And I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in that chair right there by you, Phil. And it was a Tuesday morning prayer meeting. And I was just praying. And I wasn't expecting anything. But God specifically spoke to my heart. And he said, I haven't changed my mind. That dream that I've put in your heart is still the same dream that I have for you. And here's the thing, sometimes we think when, when we don't act on this dream right away that now it's lost because it's too late. But that's not how our God works because he's a redeeming God. And so for me, it would have been very sad if I said, you know what, I can't do anything with that dream now because I'm too late. That season, that door has closed. But God allows us to have a chance to say, you know what, I want another shot. I want to do what I should have done. I should have listened to you and not listened to man. And so for the person here who's come into this place and and you say, you know what, I've had this dream. I've had this dream for a long time or maybe it's more recent and I I haven't been thinking about it. I haven't been protecting it. I've turned my back on it. There is still time for your dream today. And God still has the same plan that he had 
even if you had turned your back on it. It's not too late. So the second season, then, is the season of the depths. The season of the depths. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, do all of them start with D? Yes! Preachers have a problem. Get over it. Season of the depths. Now, this is a stark contrast from where we just were, right? Dreams are up. Dreams are happy. Dreams are good. And now the depths, we look at at the depths and we see, all right, Joseph went from the dream immediately to the pit, immediately to the prison. And so it's crazy how quickly life can switch on you, right? Like one thing can happen and your season changes, whether it's a catastrophic event, whether it's some type of disaster or accident or some type of diagnosis in your life. One of those big events can immediately change your whole season from this to this, from the bottom to the top or from the top to the bottom. Now, a majority of our life is spent like mid-altitude, right? Like we're cruising along. There are times when we have high moments like, you know, marriage, having a kid, getting a new job or a promotion, those type of things. There are high moments. And then sometimes there are moments where like the bottom just falls out. And you have those crushing moments where you're just thinking, I can't take it anymore. I am truly at the bottom. I want to quit. And whether it's a huge thing that does it or whether it's a hundred small things that are just happening at the same time and it feels like you have so much weight on you that you just want to quit. It's real. It happens. Now, we have gone through a a difficult time recently. There have been a lot of things. It just seems like one thing after another, even if it's small, just happens all at the same time, all together. And it's like, come on. You know, first of all, check engine lights went on both cars, same time. Like, come on, right? Now, sometimes when your check engine light goes on, it's an easy fix, right? Well, mine was $2,500, and and so I take it into the car place. You know, they say, this is what needs to be fixed, $2,500, whatever. Now, the reason I bring that up is because you have to understand my car to know why that's a story. So any of you who know the story of my car, you're probably chuckling, laughing um, (laughs) a little bit right now. Here's what happened. So I was looking for a car, looked for about a month or two, found it online, good price, good mileage, everything was perfect. There we go. One problem. It's in Ohio. I live in North Carolina. So I said, okay, let me just do my due diligence. I can have it shipped here, you know, because it it was that good of a deal. And so I'm talking to Tom about it up in the office. I said, hey, I'm looking at this car. I'm thinking of getting it shipped. He said, hey, I am going to Ohio tomorrow. I'm going to Ohio tomorrow to visit family. Why don't we do this? You get a one-way car rental, and then I'll drive your car back. Awesome. Saves you money from getting a car rental. Saves me money on the shipping. Let's do it. So I do my due diligence, and I get one of those independent inspectors where they've got them all over the nation. You just say where your car is and then they'll go and do a whole report and send it to you and say if it's a good or bad car, right? So we go through that whole process. I pay the guy and he said, yeah, they were really nice. They said, because we were only a couple miles away, they dropped the car off to me instead of me having to go to the car. Great car, brakes are 100%. You know, it's a used car, but it's, it's great. It's in great condition. You should get the car. It's really, really nice. Okay, awesome. So I pay for the car, and I pay for the car in cash because I'm a Dave Ramsey type person. Anybody else a Dave Ramsey? Yeah. All right. So pay for the car, and Tom goes. He picks it up. He's driving it back. While he's driving it back, light ding says add oil. Okay, no problem. It probably needs an oil change. Don't know when the last time it was. So I take it into my shop the very first day I have it, and they said, we're backed up a little bit, but we'll call you. We'll let you know when it's ready. All right, cool. So I get a call with an estimate for my oil change of $11,000. $11,000. Here's what it needed because I wrote it down. Vacuum pump, timing chain, crank seal and crankcase, 
intake manifold, door actuator, TPMS sensors, thrust arm bushings, all new brake pads and rotors, all new tires, strut mount and bump stops, upper and lower links. I don't even know what half of that is. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened with the, the inspection? Come to find out, the reason they brought him a car is because they didn't bring him my car. <laughs> oh, so I file a complaint with, <laughs> with the district attorney, and he's like, let me look into it. Yeah, there's like 15 other people who had the same thing happen to them, but there's nothing you can do because sold as is, used car, you paid in cash. So I'm stuck with this car, <laughs> and I'm like, man, really? Now, let me just say one other little fact. This car was purchased to replace my old car that was stolen from my driveway. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> my car was stolen. I walk outside to go to work, and I just, I just stand there, and I'm in this, this space with no car. I look, I look to my right. Nope. Look to my left. Turn around. I walk inside. Honey, where'd you put my car? <laughs> it was gone. And so, so now I'm stuck with this car. I obviously can't sell it because that would be horrible to do to somebody. So, you know, you, you do what you got to do and you drive it for the rest of your life. <laughs> so then, you know, similar timing. I was uh, recently betrayed by a friend, like just crushing betrayal. Um, our dog ate 40 pieces of sugar-free gum in this season. If you know anything about sugar-free gum and dogs, it's very, very bad. So we took him to the vet, and they're like, there's a 50-50 chance he could die. We're not sure. He came through, and he's fine. Um, another family situation that just completely rocked, like, my whole world. Um, I busted my shoulder, like, trying to bust out a huge bathtub in a renovation that we're doing at our house. So we got this house, and the bathtub is so big that we put like 20 people in it to take a picture on moving day because it was so huge and crazy. And so I spent like my whole week busting this thing out. 9,000 pounds of tile and mortar and lead, like massive, massive. And so our roof gets damaged by a, a storm, right? So there's, there's a hail storm. Water damage from that damage now in the house, the basement backs up and floods, the basement water heater breaks, the house catches on fire. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> a family member of mine gets sentenced to 40 years in maximum security prison. And to make matters worse, like the Dallas Cowboys have been playing pretty underwhelmingly, okay? <laughs> so it's just been a rough season. Everything at the same time. So I want to tell you just quickly the story of the fire, because a lot of you guys have been asking me kind of what happened and, and if we're okay, all that stuff. First off, your generosity has blown us away. Thank you so much just for the kind words and everybody. You guys are amazing. Truly the body of Christ. I cannot thank you enough. But so this is how it happened. Again, it involves Tom. I think there is something going on with Tom. I just, I need to distance myself from Tom, Okay. So on Monday, we decided, all right, we're going to stop eating out. You know, we're going to um, save the money, eat better, whatever. So Monday, guys, I do great on Mondays. Mondays, I kill it. Tuesdays, not as great, okay? It's for some reason, every Tuesday, you know, I fall off the wagon. But I packed my, my whole week's worth of lunch. On Tuesday, Tom comes into my office and he says, hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we go to lunch? I'm like, no, Tom back away from me, Satan. <laughs> I, I brought my chicken with my steamed broccoli. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And he's like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. You know, it's, this, this will be great. You know, we'll make it a working lunch. So finally, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'd rather have Thai food anyway. So <laughs> we go, we go to Thai food. Now, when we swipe our card, it pops up on our phone anytime we've purchased anything. So I swipe my card for Thai and all of a sudden, I get a text message from Bentley. She's like, wow, really? I'm sitting here eating peanut butter and jelly, and you're out at Thai, and we just made this agreement. I think I actually have the text message. Do we have the screenshot? Here we go. Wow, 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 wow. And so I try naturally. I'm going to blame it on Tom. Well, Tom wanted to meet with me, right? Sure. 
And now this next part, I'll read to you, you'll understand in a quick minute. I said, dang, remind me to tell you the story about the water heater. Good or bad? I said, I mean funny. But what's the status on water? Are we covered? Yes, we'll have hot water. So that was after lunch, and I'll tell you what's going on. So we get done with lunch, we go, and we're about to head back to the office. And because we're riding in Tom's car, remember because of my check engine light? (laughs) We're riding in Tom's car, and I felt bad. I didn't want to ask him, but we had the roofers fixing the roof. And so I said, do you mind if we just drive by the house so I can just make sure we don't even have to get out of the car? We'll just drive on by. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. So we go, and we would have just driven on by, but a uh, truck was parked in our driveway with a water heater on the back. They weren't supposed to come until the next day. So I'm like, what is going on? Tom, do you mind if I get out and just check what's going on? Yeah, sure. So I get out, and I said, hey, guys, sorry, I've got a meeting at 1.30. It was 1 o'clock at that point. I said, why are you guys here? Oh, well, we just had a random cancellation, and we were after our lunch, we just figured we'd stop by and see if anyone was home, if you wanted us to do it. I'm sorry, I can't. You'll have to come back tomorrow. He said, okay, no problem. Hey, do you mind if we go down to your basement and just take a look at the old one so we can figure out the connections? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, so I told Tom, I'll be back in one minute. Hang on. <laughs> we go down. We have an entrance from our basement around the back, so we go into the basement, and he looks at it. He's like, this is way easier than we thought it would be. This is only going to take 30 minutes. This is great. And I said, well, I don't want you to go back and unload the thing. I'll have to take off work tomorrow, so why don't you just do it now? I'll push my meeting back 30 minutes. So I said, yeah, sure, great. So they, they do the thing, end up connecting with them. Like, he asked what I did. I told him I was a pastor. They were Christians. Like, we talked about Jesus the whole time. It was so cool. And so because we connected like that, um, I said, hey, do you want to take a look at the bathroom upstairs? Because we're going to have to have some plumbing work done to it. Now, I had already told Tom he could go, so he's not still waiting there. Don't worry about him. I told Tom he could go. I would try and see if my car with the check engine light would make it two miles down the road. And so... We're talking to this guy. He said, yeah, you know, once I'm finished, let's do it. We almost leave, and he was like, oh, didn't you want me to check the bathroom? Yeah, sure. So we walk up the stairs, and we go to the main floor, and as we get up to the main floor, there's smoke billowing out of the master bedroom. There's a fire in that bathroom that the guy was going to look at. The smoke detector was not functioning properly, and so we had no idea that it was burning. And so if we had not gone upstairs, we would have had no idea. We would have just left the basement. And so he runs downstairs to see, like, what did I do wrong? Like, did I hook something up wrong? You know, he didn't do anything. It wasn't him. But I run. I cover my mouth. I run in there, and I'm trying to figure out what to do. I'm looking for a fire extinguisher. I find one. And so this guy was awesome, man. He was like a hero. If you guys need a plumber, I got you, okay? (laughs) I'll help you out. But this guy was amazing, and the fire department comes. Everyone's okay. We got the dog out. Everything's cool. We're still out of the house. We're staying with family right now. Um, You guys have been amazing. Thank you so much. But the whole thing with this story, and the whole reason I bring that up, is because think about it. If Tom hadn't asked me to go to lunch, right, if I had just driven myself, I wouldn't have been in the car with Tom. If If I wouldn't have asked him to go by the house, right, if the water heater people wouldn't have come a day early, when they should not have been there, we wouldn't have even gotten out of the car. And if we hadn't connected over Jesus, like, we wouldn't have even gone upstairs. We had no idea. And so you look at that and you say, man, like, God protects his people. He loves you. He wants to protect you. And in the seasons, even though they're difficult seasons, even though it's the bottom, it's the very depths it feels like at the time, You look at the blessing of God and the protection of God, it's unbelievable. And where the fire started, it was the ceiling, which was the floor of our daughter and son's room. And the fire investigator said this could have happened at any moment, at any time. So you're blessed that you were at home when it happened. Because if it were at night, it would have been a horrible situation. Now, the only thing that I thought after I got out of the fire was, why did I wear this? I had the junkiest sweatshirt on, and I'm like, look, if you're going to lose, you know, clothes or not have access to, to anything, why couldn't I have worn something I actually liked? Okay, I wore my junkiest sweatshirt and the, the shoes that I, I didn't really care for, um, but we're staying with family. Everything's good. We appreciate the prayers and all of that. Now, one, one thing, yesterday, Home Advisor sent me an email, and Home Advisor 
They didn't know, but they said in the subject line, hey, Phil, how are your home renovations going? <laughs> Shut up, home advisor, I'm trying my best. <laughs> like, you have no idea. But it's God's protection. It's God's protection. So maybe, maybe today you're at the bottom and you say, you know what, there's this big thing that happened to me. Or maybe, just maybe, you have all these little things that have just weighed you down. You say, man, I just can't take it. But there's something to remember that no matter how bad it gets, you will never go where God is not. He is always there. Always there. So we're going to run through the last couple really quickly. Um, The third one is the season of the decoy. And this is something that kind of takes your mind off of where you should be or your dream that God has given you and kind of moves you to something else that you shouldn't be. It's settling. It's settling for something that's not what God has for you. So in Joseph's story, it's Potiphar's wife and it's temptation. And I don't necessarily mean a season of sinful temptation. I think that that is all the time. That's not just a a season. We are tempted all the time. But this season that I'm talking about with temptation is the temptation to settle for something that God doesn't have for you. Think if Joseph has settled before the fulfillment of his dream. And the next one is the season of the delay. The season of the delay. Joseph had to wait in prison. He had to wait in prison for two years, even though he didn't do anything. Two years after he asked the guy, hey, Will you please remember me? And so how much more must I endure? How much longer do I have to wait for that thing that I'm waiting for? Maybe you're in that place today where you're just waiting. You say, is God even there? Like, did he forget about me? You're ready to give up. You're ready to quit. You're ready to quit your job, quit your relationship, quit life maybe. Quit Christianity, quit God. You're at that place where you're just there. And you're tired. And you have two options. One, you can quit and you can give up. Or you can let go. And it sounds like the same thing, but it's completely different. See, giving up is an act of sorrow. Letting go is an act of surrender. It's trust. It's an act of faith. God is in control. God is working behind the scenes. He has a plan for you. So I'm just going to let go and I'm going to surrender. Isaiah 41 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Take heart today. Don't give up today. And if you've come into this place and you feel like quitting and you feel like giving up, then maybe you should just say, you know what? I'm not going to quit right now. I'm going to hold on and I'm, I'm just going to let go of everything and let God hold on for me. I'm going to surrender everything to him. And so the last season that I want to touch on quickly is the season of deliverance. This we know from Joseph's story after he was in jail, how immediately, just like that, in one day he went from prison to palace. One day. Immediately. Now, if you're concerned that time is running out on you, that time is running out on your dream, or if you think you've messed up too much, there's good news because God isn't in the business of time as we know it. God oversees time and he's not on your timetable. If you feel like you've wasted your life, God can redeem what you have spent years wasting in one moment. In one moment. So you may say, well, I'm 40 and I'm not married yet, or or, I don't have kids yet and I wanted to at this stage in my life, or I'm 60 right now and I look back on what I could have done and should have done and I didn't do God can redeem today, right now, every single year you feel like you have lost and he can make your dreams come true. And when he does, I guarantee that it will be way more fulfilling in his timing than it would have been in the timing that you thought was right, but it wasn't. 
A lot of times this, this season of deliverance is initiated by a first step, by you stepping out in faith and trusting God. You see, there's, there's a place where, where divine sovereignty meets human responsibility. It's not us just standing here and saying, oh God, pull me out, pull me out of the fire. It's you taking a step to say, you know what, God, I'm going to take a step and trust you. Please help me. It's where divine sovereignty and human responsibility intersect. And so in closing today, you know, we, we can despise the season that we're in. A lot of times we can complain, whine about the season we're currently in because we want to be in another season. We don't want to be in the season that we're in. And we're always looking forward to the next and not learning in the now. We need to stop praying for God to rescue us from our season. He's not going to. God doesn't rescue us from the season. He helps us get through them because he's placed us in him. And so God's not this magic genie in a bottle that'll just pull us out when we're supposed to learn in our suffering. He will walk through it with you. He will stand there right beside you and help you. He will enable you. And sometimes we just wait for God to carry us through something rather than taking that step of faith and saying, God, enable me to learn through this. Enable me to learn. You see, today is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Did I make today? No. Did I make the season that I'm in? No. But I have the choice to steward my joy. I have the choice to say, you know what? In this situation, it's rough for me right now. I feel like the walls are caving in on me right now, but I have the choice to manage my joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, when you see the purpose in the pain, that's where you need to be because there is purpose to the pain and you can endure more when you see the purpose. If you're looking at your pain right now and you're saying, well, look at all of these things that has happened to me. It's not fair. It shouldn't have had, I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I in this season? If you're focusing on the pain, you won't see the purpose and then it's hard to endure because you don't understand why. But there's purpose in our suffering. There's purpose in the pain because we're growing. We're learning. You see, God is more interested in your development than he is your happiness. He's more interested in your character than your comfort. And so in this moment, in this season, if you've, if you've been in this season, you say, man, this is rough on me. Switch your focus from the pain to the purpose, say why? Because then you can endure more. There's this misconception that, that God is required to make all things good for us here on earth. That's not the case. He will, there are times that he will, but that's a prosperity gospel. It's a misconception. His promise is that we will face trials and troubles. But take heart, he's overcome the world for us and he has a place for us that will overcome all the difficulties that we're dealing with now. He has that promise that's given to us that if we believe in him, if we give our life to him, that we will leave this place and leave this pain to a place that is so much greater, to a place that is perfect. A new earth, a new heaven, and this is the hope that we have to look forward to. So heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place.
I wanna give you an opportunity today to acknowledge God and to take action. There's a reason why my notes just disappeared. There's a reason why God wanted to say something specifically to you. I would be lying if I said I wasn't scared out of my mind to preach without some type of guideline because I'm human. But God wants to meet you right here, right now. And he set this whole day up for somebody here. He set this entire thing up. He changed my entire week this week for somebody here. And so today, if that's you, if you say, you know what? I need to meet with Jesus today. I need to have him be my Lord and my Savior I need to completely start over with a fresh start today. If that's you, I'm going to count to three, and I'm just going to have you raise your hand, not just to raise your hand, but to acknowledge God. Because the scripture says that if you acknowledge him, he will acknowledge you. And so as a symbol of acknowledgement that, God, I need you right now. I need you to change me right now. I need to rededicate myself to you right now. I need to find you right now. If I've never found you before, I need you now. I'm going to count to three, and if you'll just raise your hand, I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to make you stand up or come forward. One, two, three, right now, right now. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see all hands all over this place. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pray this prayer with me. If you would, everybody in this entire place, would you just repeat after me? Father God, I give you my life today. I acknowledge that you are great and greatly to be praised. I give you everything I have. And today marks a day that has changed me forever. I'm turning around from this moment forward. Amen. Come on, would you just give some applause in this room for our King, for our God? Now, I want to say something really quickly, and I'll let you go, and we won't have a a formal dismissal today. But if you've come into this place and you're struggling with a season in your life, maybe there's a dream that God put on your heart that you ignored. If that's you today, if you say, God, why am I going through this? I need you. These altars will be open down here. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray for you. We're going to play a song And we're going to sing. There'll be no formal dismissal. If you want to hang around, you can. But there's a king who cares about you so much. So much that even through the fire, he's there to protect you. And he's there to help you grow. Father, we bless your name. Father, I bless every single person in this place, especially for the people who have committed themselves to you today. I pray that today would be a fresh start. You are so amazing. Father, we love you so, so much. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Bless you.